1: What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today, we're talking to Kelly Roberts, who's based in New York. You may be familiar with her from the movement, the Sports Bra Squad, and she is also the founder of the Badass Lady Gang, which is a woman's running community created to connect motivate, inspire, and provide women with the resources and community they need to get active in ways that empower them. I love everything that she's about. She's super outspoken and I think this, this is a great episode on body positivity and for me personally she's definitely impacted my relationship with running and my body and I hope you guys get something out of this episode so let's get straight to it. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, dude. I'm excited to, to <laughs> chat with you. Um, before we get started, if we dive in, can we get a little rundown of who you are and what you're about?
0: Yeah, my name is Kelly Roberts. I am the creator of a, a body positivity movement called the Sports Bra Squad. And then a big old badass community called the Badass Lady Game where we have uh, we have a training team. We have online communities and we used to have in real life chapters which are on, uh, on hiatus right now while we try to survive 2020. But uh, yeah, it's really about connection and finding fun in movement. It's not so much the place you go when you're uh, really looking to run fast and hard and far. It's more you know, a place you go if you really want to have the best time ever on the run.
1: Yeah, so what's the difference between the two, between the Badass Lady Gang and the Sports Bra Squad, or is it the same thing? I mean, uh, I think the Sports Bra Squad is a lot more of, like, an actual movement. The Badass Lady
0: Gang, like, one of our core pillars is redefining what strength looks like. So the Sports Bra Squad kind of comes into play there. It really is just a way to, like, empower women to run in their sports bras, regardless of their shape and size, because I think we all have preconceived notions of what health looks like, of what strength looks like, of what a runner looks like, regardless of uh, how like versed you are in the diverse range of sizes in running. So I mean, I know people who are like so much smaller than me and still struggle to run in a sports bra. And I know people who are much heavier than me and like rock the sports bra better than anyone. You know, it's really just about like on those warmer days. Find comfort in running your sports bra and not spend the entire time consumed with what other people might be thinking about you and giving other people a chance to see their bodies in your body.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think what really resonates with me is I've been like at a lot of different stages with my body. And one of the main things for me was I never ran with just my sports bra. Like I never took my shirt off. And this is, yeah, this was from when I was like in high school and I I wasn't super self-conscious in high school, but like, I don't know. I I was always like a little bit self-conscious of like my midsection area. So I never took my sports bra or I never took my shirt off. (laughs) 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 I never took my shirt off. But then in college when I was probably at my leanest ever of my whole life, I still, I think I was even more self-conscious and I never, I never once took my shirt off in college. I don't think because I was always so worried about it. Like my teammates would, but I just never did because I was always so like, I don't know, so scared of what people would say behind me or like behind my back or if people would talk about it. And I think when I saw you and like what you were doing on Instagram, it had such a, like a, profound impact on me which you probably like wouldn't even know I mean we've talked about like a little bit and we've been in conversation for a little while but I think what like your movement really helped me do is like after college when I definitely like put on weight and I it was like necessary weight I needed to kind of regain my physical health in terms of my hormones and that was the first time in my life I actually felt confident running without a shirt on and it was also probably the biggest I'd ever been in my life, but i don't I don't know it was like from seeing your post and your movement, it really helped me kind of let go of like what like thinking about what other people thought of me while I was running, and it was like a very empowering <laughs> empowering thing for me I
0: mean that means a lot diet culture is like the the reaches of diet culture in everything, not just in running is so devastating and trying to figure I call it poison punch. Like we are all drunk on poison punch. We've all been drinking the poison punch forever. I mean you can't do anything. I on Halloween we had a birthday party for my sister. It's on the popcorn like guilt-free snacking. Like it's literally anywhere and everywhere. And and it's it's wild that you could have someone who is like the caliber of athlete that you are running at at uh, where do you Oregon? Is that yeah, University Oregon. of Oregon? Yeah. And feeling the way you feel about your body, you know, it, it's, it's there. And then you go all the way down to the mom who's coming back post-pregnancy and like she feels the exact same way that you do. So it's not, it really doesn't matter what caliber of like how much you're working out or what you're eating. Like it's poison punch. Everyone's drinking it. So that's like, it it makes me so mad that we spend as much time as we do consumed with our body image. Just feeling like shit, con- like just like totally and completely convinced that we need to lose weight, that we need to be smaller, that we need to look different. So, I mean, that makes me feel so happy. It's, it really is like, yes, we want everybody to not care about what other people are thinking. But really, what the sports bra squad is about is like, I want people to look in and say, what am I saying to myself? Because that's the dialogue that really matters, right? Like, when you really fix that, you don't give two fucks about what anyone else thinks about you. Yeah, it's not fun to, like, come in contact with, but you don't, you don't, like, look for, like, confirmation of all the horrible things that you're saying to yourself anymore. You just say, like, oh, you're an asshole. (laughs) Drunk on poison punch. I get it. I was there, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Did you have, like, a moment in time where you just decided to start running with your shirt off or was it kind of like you because I know you didn't you said that you didn't grow up running no um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: so I guess I guess my question is like what got you into running and were you always kind of like this I guess in terms no. of like, body positivity when you started
0: no I spent my whole life crash dieting striving myself uh making myself sick taking diet pills like I've done everything and anything to try to lose weight I, I've always like been, I've always had a body type that wasn't skinny. I've always been healthy, but I never was skinny. And my sister is incredibly skinny. So for me, not understanding that we all have different body types, I would look to my sister and to like, I mean, I, I was born in in 89. So like, I grew up with just like you. I mean, I'm sure you did too with like Christina Aguilera, dirty music video, like Britney Spears, like all like Beyonce and, and, and like Everybody was wearing like those really low cut jeans. Everyone was like ridiculously skinny and like midriff, midriff, midriff. And we grew up, we grew up in the same town for anyone who doesn't know. We went to the same high school. Did we overlap?
1: No, I don't think I, I was born in 96. So I was at LCC for, well, ironically,
0: it took me like eight years to finish high school. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We, uh, yeah, I, I, I was never athletic. I came from a very athletic family though. So that was really hard for me. Like we came from a very like be the best, whatever you do, like be the best, work really hard, really competitive. So whenever I tried anything that was sports, like I really wasn't very good. When I was in elementary school, I actually really liked running and I was really fast. But like when I went to middle school, I my body totally changed and I was no longer the best. And I think that for me, I didn't know how to contextualize that. So I just immediately stopped. And was like i hate this this is awful and horrible and hard and i'm not the best so i don't want to do it so i didn't for a really long time the only time i went to the gym was like to work out like a crazy person to try to lose weight because i was always trying to look like my sister i was convinced that i was doing something wrong because i wasn't as skinny as she was we had the same genes you know like it didn't make sense to me that i didn't look like her and i was just like constantly comparing myself to her so i was constantly dieting and i would i would crazy yo-yo with my weight. And every time I would lose 10, 20 pounds, everyone around me would tell me how great I looked. Oh my God, you lost so much weight. You look so great. When in reality, I was starving myself. I was taking diet pills. I was going to the gym for an hour, twice a day, you know, like, like truly like lightheaded the entire time, like the most unhealthy. And then in uh, after I graduated, after my first year of college, my younger brother died And, like, I didn't want to work out anymore. I just wanted to hide. I didn't want to run into anyone and have to, like, talk about it. Because whenever you run into someone, they're like, how are you? How was your summer? And I would have to be like, oh, really bad. My brother died. Wild, right? Like, and then you'd have to, like, comfort them because they're like, oh, I don't know how to handle this. Yeah. And you're like, you're okay. When really you want to be the one being like, it's me. Yeah. (laughs) You should be comforting me. So I just hid and like, you know, we we were drinking. So like I just wasn't the healthiest. So I gained like 75, 80 pounds pretty quickly. And I just like for the first time was like, Oh my God, this is gonna be me forever. And I was so depressed. And my mom was kind of like, I already lost a kid. I can't lose you. You're very clearly like out of control and unhappy. I don't know what to do to help you. And luckily that semester I was taking this nutrition course and we had to log all of our food, not to like count calories, but to, so she could teach us all how nutrients and vitamins, like how it all works to make your body work. How our bodies are these incredible machines that how your nutrition, you know, keeps you alive and fuels you. So she saw pretty quickly that I was, what I was doing and how i was eating it was kind of like this is bad news bears like what are you doing because i was doing a diet program one of those fake diet programs where you like eat oh fake processed foods yeah. to try to lose weight and she was like you can't eat this like fake bullshit brownies and cheese puffs that they give you all day long you know like that's no so she's you're like, like, like you starving get- your
1: body of nutrients
0: <laughs> yeah and like you're you're trying to be in ketosis the whole time like it was just really bad and uh and it was so expensive too like again poison punch Poison punch, like expensive top top shelf poison punch, and uh, she offered to like make it my final my final, if I like actually like took it really seriously, figured out how to make a diet that was healthy and fueled me and wasn't focused on weight loss, and it like totally changed my life but it wasn't until like after I graduated from college that I like lost weight. I was going to the gym insanely still, you know, like twice a day and this like crazy attempt to make sure that I didn't gain weight back, making myself sick whenever I ate anything that I thought wouldn't like, would make me gain weight. And I like, just after I graduated from college, I fell apart. Like it was, I, I got my undergrad in theater, which is like, whoa what, what am I gonna do with my life how do I pay back my student loans you know like it was the first time that I was like who let me do this
1: yeah where were
0: my parents why couldn't I have those parents who are like this is a terrible idea get our job like go go get a degree like my parents were like you can do anything which I I'm obviously kidding and I'm very grateful for my theater degree but at the time was pretty like sobering to be a bigger girl with acne scars, and then like being like i there's no way I'm ever gonna be on t v or work in movies or like be a working actor. there's no fucking way and uh I moved home and was just miserable and uh yeah i that's why I started running. I was like literally just desperate enough. I was so miserable and so like depressed and grief stricken <laughs> that I like went for a run and like decided I was going to keep doing it. And it was awful. Like, so awful. So, so, so awful. The worst. Like I was that miserable that it was that awful. And I was like, this is better than sitting on the couch, watching all my friends living their life on social media or going to watch reality television after work at my like shitty nine to five job that like filled me with dread and, and shame. So, like, I started doing it, and then I ran a half marathon pretty quickly. Like, after, like, two months after I started. Whoa! I know. Crazy. Insane. It was at Disneyland, and, like, it was total, like, spur of the moment. That's kind of fun, though. It was awesome. Awesome and horrible at the same time. Yeah, that
1: sounds painful (laughs) and fun.
0: (laughs) And then a couple months later, I ran my first marathon, and after that, I was like, dude, if I can run a marathon, like, there's literally nothing. I can't do so i'm just gonna go move to new york and figure it out <laughs> i'm just gonna I to new york i'm gonna fucking do it and uh yeah pretty quickly after that i went viral for, dr- during a half marathon like taking selfies with hot guys behind me
1: i and think was, i 100 like, percent saw that
0: everyone did it was during obama when we had slow news weeks mm. this was when you could like go online and not just like see the world on fire. (laughs) Remember that?
1: Yeah, I do. Remember those days going
0: viral (laughs) was so easy back then. (laughs) (laughs) And like that created a blog, which turned into this.
1: That's awesome. And then now is this your full-time job?
0: Yeah. I've been doing this full-time for like five years. I didn't answer your question. Did
1: I? I don't even remember what my question was, but what I I mean, you did a great job explaining kind of who you are and where you came from in terms of running
0: it's the day after the election and i am telling you i am not here
1: i think all of us are are a little bit elsewhere at the moment i
0: am on eggshells
1: you and everyone else
0: so it's a really good time to record a
1: podcast
0: (laughs) i told yeah i'm not gonna tell that joke never mind (laughs)
1: And maybe just maybe just skip it. Um, how do you like living <laughs> in, How do you like living in New York? though was it a good decision for you?
0: The best decision. This city is the is a is a monster, and uh it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like I think you I think people will tell you how hard it is to live in New York City and like add an exponent. That's New York City, but that is also why it's so great. You like really have to work your tits off. To be here, and that is why the energy is so great. You know, like everyone's really working really hard to stay here and be here. So everyone's really interesting. And like I worked the polls yesterday, the the, like the amount of people that you see who don't look like you and who speak so many different languages, like that's really what I love. It's incredible how you just walk around hearing so many different languages, and it's just like such a diverse, wild place.
1: I always want to know, like, why Why is New York so such a hard place to live? Just because it's so expensive or because, like, it's just so competitive out there? Because, I, I mean, I've been there, and it's like, obviously, there's a ton of people working hard, the city that never sleeps or whatever, but it's hard for me to grasp, like, why people say that it's, the like, a very hard place to live.
0: We were, ironically, like, literally just talking about this on Halloween, me and my sister and my cousins because it's such a weird time right now, and New York is very different than what it normally is, and, like, a lot of people are leaving for now. They'll they'll come back, but, like, people – this is, like, a chance for people to be, like, I've always wanted to live here. I'm going to go give it six months. So we were talking about it, and she was, like, I just don't know if I want to be here right now, but I've also never, like, imagined leaving. So uh, we were talking about, like, what makes New York New York? Like, why be here? And I think I think a huge part of it is the competition element of stuff. like. As an athlete, you know, like competition makes you better. Having people who are working harder than you makes you work harder. So, like, there's that element of it. That like iron sharpened iron type dynamic everywhere you go. And for me, like like I wanted to move here for the art scene. I love theater and I love performance art and I love visual art. So I always wanted to be here to be around those kinds of people because I love storytelling and I love how other people do storytelling and how they talk about it. So like if you go to a bar and granted, like if you're in finance, like you could surround yourself with people who like just work really hard and and, like don't have these stuff. But like for the most part, if you go somewhere, you're going to be in a room crammed on top of each other like were you super uncomfortable at first when you started going out to eat that you would like sit down and there's like someone right here and they're like listening to your conversation
1: yeah it's wild it's wild right yeah so like at first
0: I had the same reaction of like I hate this everybody's in your shit like if you break up like eight people are breaking up with you you know like there's like eight people at the table with you you know like you can't you have no privacy here and uh, that's part of the reason I love it because like you go out to dinner and you just start meeting people. You go out to lunch and you're meeting people. Really, really fascinating, interesting people who have come from like completely different walks of life than you and you really never know who you're going to meet. Like the people I've met here in the, in the seven or eight years that I've been here have like leveled up my career in ways that I, I've, I, I like can't even, I could never have imagined without like knowing what was coming. People in so many different industries helping and stepping in and introducing me to other people. And I just like, I I don't think you can get that other places. And that's not to say that other places aren't great and don't have things to offer. Like, look at you right now. Like, oh, a tree. I remember what a tree looks like. (laughs) You know, like we don't get that here. Like, if like, right. I I don't know. Going outside once winter hits is going to be really tough. For us like I still run outside but like hanging out outside like unless I'm gonna wear a snowsuit
1: you know it doesn't is, happen yeah yeah
0: so it's it's a give and take but like the energy is definitely different The people are very different and everyone who's here really chooses to be here
1: if yeah. that makes sense yeah that definitely makes sense there's something enticing about New York I've always wanted to live yeah. there I really enjoy the city it just is like it's a scary place to decide to move <laughs> to move I almost quit a couple times.
0: I definitely almost quit a couple times.
1: Yeah. It's really hard.
0: Yeah. It seems like a stressful environment, but... I like love watching TikTok, like watching little New York TikToker girls. Well, like, they like, today <laughs> I went to fucking Soho and I got some fucking lattes and then I walked over here and then I went over here and then I went to bed and that's my night. And I'm like, that's not New York.
1: <laughs> see, that's probably what I'm seeing on the internet right now. It's like all the, I'm going shopping in Soho and then like what you said, that's that's what I you see on TikTok. You know how often I go to Soho? Like three times a year good 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 um so okay switching it back to to running over not, instead of questions that I have done. I got a 12 dollar latte so we ran the Chicago marathon last year together yeah for crazy. I, I, I like half of it I know it was crazy and Serendipitous. I, cr- I know I credit a lot of my like I don't, I don't know if it was, it was like a a decent race for me. I mean, my first marathon, I would say great race, I think, but I credit a lot of it to you and you like held me Uh. back the first half. And I, I definitely needed that because I think I would have gone out too way too hard and died, but instead like you held me back the first half and then I ended up having a great second half because of it. So I credit a lot of that to you, but you also take it. You also had a pretty good 2020's been
0: awful. I'm gonna take anything I can get. <laughs> yeah, it see? was all me. <laughs> yeah. We my race to- was my race was not great, but I'll take your great race as well. One. did you PR or was it? I know you were going I had a for- huge PR. Okay, so you can't be mad with a PR, you know? Oh, I'm not. I'm very proud of myself. But like I I was at a weird point in my period, like I was in a lot of pain and fatigue before we even started. And it was like one of those days where we took off. And, like, Emma and I, like, literally just ran into each other as we were, like, about to start. Like it was all on kind the of start like, line. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I, I – I, we like when we took off, I was, like, oh, this is just going to be a really hard day. And luckily, like, I've been running enough and I've done enough mental work that I'm, like, I know I can run really strong on a day like this. It's just not going to be the perfect day. And, again, like, I'm not predicting the future. I, like, gave myself space to be, like, anything can happen – Let anything happen. And like, I just know that this isn't going to be the reason that like, I don't do my best, but it was, it was a grind from the start. Like my heart rate from the second we started, Emma was like 172, like as we crossed the starting line. So it was like one of those days where I'm like, right, this is it. This (laughs) is the day 172
1: from the gun. Oh no. Like literally
0: from the gun as I stood still, you know, it was just like, I don't know what was happening, but uh, I'm really proud of myself like you pulled away at one point and i was like stay with her and i like tried it and i'm like no, no yeah shit.
1: i mean well once we hit halfway i started i definitely like started grinding down the times i was well we were you were doing
0: the pace as i wanted to do and i just like couldn't do it i didn't have it in me
1: yeah i mean it was it was tiring but like you i mean you <laughs> yeah, did, Emma, it
0: was it's time on the marathon it was tiring you should put that on a shirt <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was tiring but i actually like i 2020. did not it was tiring. I didn't have the best training leading up to it. Like, I definitely. Yes, you did. I, okay. It was, I was... It was a very first marathon training experience.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> no, like, it wasn't perfect, but like it was you did not a lot perfect. of work.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I was doing the long runs and everything, but I was like kind I of I was stressed... watching you and I do
0: remember reaching out and being like,
1: hey, <laughs> yeah. how
0: are you?
1: But What's from. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> From my marathon experience, I I firmly believe that everyone can run a marathon if oh, yeah. they train. If they train without training, maybe not. But oh, yeah. um, with training, you can definitely do it. It was it's a, like, it was such a different pain than I've ever experienced in my life. Like I've never a slow had, a slow burn. Yes, a slow burn. And I honestly I don't really think I hit the wall until mile twenty four, and then I just kind of started dying. But I was, like, waiting until that 20-mile mark. I was, like, uh uh-oh. Just because that was my longest run.
0: When you, like, dial in your, like, actual training, and now, especially now that you're bike riding, and you, like, add that into the mix, and then you dial in your hydration and fueling for it, like, Emma, you're going to have, like, a blowout marathon where you just, like, knock it, like, to the stratosphere. It's going to be so fucking rad.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, the Chicago Marathon was like the first endurance thing that I've done, and I really enjoyed not only the atmosphere. Like, I can see why people run marathons because, like, you, you have, have to, to do New York. Oh, I well, I definitely will one. I've heard. I've heard that's hard though. <laughs> you heard a marathon's
0: hard? No. That's so weird. <laughs>
1: I mean, I heard New York is no. hard.
0: No. New York is hard. It's it's very different than Chicago, but like, y- you'll love it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely do it one day. I definitely want to run more marathons. I just kind of want to train a little bit better than I did for Chicago. But I don't have any regrets on Chicago. I'm
0: the good news is there won't be any for a little while.
1: <laughs> That's true. So I've got a lot of time to you know build up the base.
0: You got a good two years before New York comes back.
1: Okay. Okay. Good. And then I'll be like living there too, so it'll be like home. You know. <laughs> you I'm should. I think
0: everyone should live in New York, even if you don't stay here. Like it. I mean there's a reason that cliche Sinatra song is like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah,
1: I kinda of want to. We'll see what I don't know. I mean it's just year's not right been, now. Don't yeah, come now. No, I'm not coming right now, so you'll yeah. hate it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a it sounds like a mess. I mean it's It'd mess up. So lonely. So. Yeah. Yeah. True. Definitely. Um, well, after Chicago was it after Chicago? You I remember you announced on your Instagram that you're done running marathons.
0: I don't ever want to do it again.
1: Why, I've done ten, yeah, I know that is a lot.
0: My body really doesn't like the marathon. Like it really, really doesn't. i I uh, I also don't like it. it It really does throw me into like disordered eating stuff. and it's something I have to really stay ahead of. When I train really hard for a marathon and I was, I've been getting back into it the last couple of times I've ran a marathon and it's, it's something that I like really don't like. It's something that I have to figure out and do some work doing. And like, that's why this year I I, like, I was ahead of 2020. I like went into 2020 being like, I'm only going to move when I want to, because I want to. And if I'm going to take days off, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to like put priority my relationship to physical activity, which has been really not healthy for a long time i've really been like running myself into the ground still trying to like maintain my weight and uh just poison punch i'm telling you even even me who's had like years and years and years of therapy and is very <laughs> educated on it i i still struggle and i w- i just needed to take that that moment to like be a supporter in other people's story you know like i love running and i like stopped loving running because i wasn't using it for me i was just using it for a job like it's my job you know this like you're probably starting to really struggle with this a little bit like the the relationship between doing something because you love it a lot and it helps you a lot but also it's rent it's health insurance it's the reason you're like able to buy shit and do shit. You know like and then it becomes your world. You know like the only time I was traveling was to run races and like I couldn't date because I was just like constantly training for shit and like no one wants to be a part of that, you know unless you date a runner which I don't really want to do. <laughs> and uh you know like it's uh it was hard. So this year I like I told myself I mean I won't ever say I won't run a marathon again. I don't think I'll ever run a marathon hardcore training for time again. I think if I do I'll like do it with someone in the badass lady gang who wants to break four, you know, and be a part of that or, you know, runs a first marathon with someone that I would do. Yeah. I almost did it on Sunday and had to be like, no bitch, get on a bike.
1: Yeah. So you're, you're coaching now. So you kind of shifted into that role more this year, you think?
0: Yeah. I started coaching two years ago, three
1: years ago. Yeah. And, uh, it's the best. I it really is. It. it really is the best. I mean, it's so fun to see people like accomplish goals. I don't know. I find so much fulfillment in that. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of people run their first marathons too, which is such a huge goal for a lot of people. And it's such a huge yeah. accomplishment that a lot of people don't think that they can do. So I can only imagine like how fulfilling that is. Like I, on Sunday or whatever, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was what,
0: emotional.
1: Yeah. Why was it emotional?
0: Sunday, this past Sunday, one of the girls that I coach, her name's Christina, who is just like, she's one of those people that you meet that you're like, you're not real. You are too selfless and rad. You know, she's a, she's a, she's Mexican. The parents of an immigrant. Her dad died of COVID this summer in Texas. Like she was one of the stories that she had to say goodbye to her dad in a text message that a nurse read to him alone yeah it's devastating and then she had to watch donald trump get it and say it's not a big deal who had like the best treatment in the world after her dad was denied going to the hospital because it was over it was full he eventually died in the hospital but at first he was turned away you know so it's like she she wanted to run a marathon this year she had already planned to run her first marathon after running her first half last year. And uh, then all this happened and she knew it was going to be canceled. So she stopped training, but then her dad passed away. And she kind of emailed me and was like, I need something. I don't have anything right now. And I just feel like this, this would be a way for me to kind of like, I feel like it'll be a way to say goodbye. And I was like, I totally get it. I think if anyone gets it, you know, it might be me. Yeah. And, uh, And I was like let's do it so she she like trained the best she could with three months and uh, this Sunday she ran the course with me and her best friend David on bikes all by herself in the middle of a pandemic in New York City we ran the course and uh it was just like I, I don't think I've ever been a part of something that like intense and rewarding to watch her grind it out a marathon. Could you imagine doing your first marathon all by yourself, stopping at stoplights? And it was incredible too, because like New Yorkers, you know, are out and about doing their lives and like, they're all cheering for her, you know, like everyone's stopping to acknowledge what she's doing and cheer for her. And then there were people at the finish line, like the finish line was really emotional. It was, it was watching someone take back something that was stolen from them in a way. And, and, do something huge despite like having so much sadness and grief like find joy like purposefully go out of her way to like do something hard because her dad always told her that if you you work really hard you can do anything like it was like i'm gonna cry right now it was uh whoa it was Uh, whoa
1: (laughs) yeah that's incredible and I think for me, once I left like the college running world, it was really powerful to see how running impacts so many people's lives beyond like times and places because for for my whole life, basically, like it's been all about like how well you can do and like the placing first and making it to this meet, making it to that meet or whatever. And I think kind of like when I took a step away from running after college, it really showed me like how, how much it can just impact you to just like go for a run regardless of like what place you get or whatever and just kind of you know do it for yourself and like how how much running like benefits your life otherwise
0: the work you probably had to do to figure that out and to go like switch hats and let something that was like transactional and performative base like it was your job it was your job for yeah a decade
1: yeah probably plus yeah
0: to then say like how do I now choose to do this thing because I want to like what does this give to me and then to have it turned back into your job and to not be in like an environment and a pressure cooker that helped you perform the best like that must have been so wild
1: yeah it definitely was and I mean it's something I'm still going through like to this day but I think definitely it's that's what's been so hard since leaving college like you just explained it perfectly like it's hard to take a step back from that and i know a lot of people listening probably feel the same because a lot of people listening probably don't go for runs just to make themselves like feel better i guess it's probably like to i don't know accomplish something at a race but yeah like the biggest thing for me i think was relearning like my love for actually like running rather than performing <laughs> in a race and and also, like kind of balancing that with my this being my job and like social media being my job. It was, I went back and forth so many times of like, what am I doing? Like, when I first graduated college, I continued like running and wanted to keep competing. And that was like a mistake. I shouldn't have done that because I was burnt out and I knew I shouldn't have done that. But since I kind of had the pressure of like social media and everything, I just decided to do it. I was also living in Atlanta at the time and I like didn't have any friends or life, and running was the only thing I knew. And so I was like no
0: one prepares you for that though no. like no one in these schools being like hey you've never had an identity outside of this so we need to talk about who you are who are you inside of this thing that you that you do which maybe you do love it maybe you don't maybe you are doing it because you're really good at it and you just think you should maybe you're doing it because outside pressure from parents or agents or whatever is so great what are you going to do next like, all of those conversations, I, I've never heard of them happening in colleges. Like, I know you guys all have access to sports psychologists, but, like, it's wild to me that, like, people are not helping you all develop identity as athletes so that you can have interests outside of that thing. When I was in college, one of my, one of my favorite professors, who's, like, ironically, one of my good friends now, he's here in, in New York, he, like, he used to tell us, like, this can't be the thing. This can't be your life. This has to be your job now. Like, after you leave here, like, this is going to be your job, which means that you have to have hobbies and things that you love to do outside of this. This can't be your whole world. And at the time, you know, like, we're all, like, we love theater! Woo! We, we work, you know, 15 hours a day because we fucking love it! Yeah. So it didn't make sense. And it wasn't until running became my job, something that I already didn't love I loved to run, but I don't love running. Like, I don't love the running world. I don't watch stuff. Like, I don't really care. I love human interest stories, but, like, the greater competition of running, like, I could give two fucking shits about it. And uh, it's just not something I, I get. I don't get it. And, uh, but I care about athletes and watching, like, I don't, I just don't get how no one's helping everybody develop That's identity.
1: Yeah, that's what I wish was like more present in the NCAA division one or two or three or whatever in the NCAA world. I wish there was like some sort of program or some sort of help that people could get to kind of prepare you to let go of having sport be your number one identity because – like you said, for me, when I was in college, I was like, running is my world. Like, I love it, whatever. And then the minute I stopped college, I was like, oh my goodness, like, what do I do now? And because I had, I literally, running was my life. I had no other interests, really. And I had like, I mean, social media was one of my interests. And like my, I have a food Instagram, and that was also an interest. But a lot of that had to do with running. So I don't know, it's it's kind of hard to find like, a balance, I guess, when that is your world. It's really
0: just let it. It's giving you a chance to explore. Like it's, it's teaching everybody. Like you have one exploration is going to be key. You don't need to know who you are right now, but you do need to have your eyes open to what's out there. So like, stay curious. Try new things. You know, like try other sports. Try improv. Try cooking. Try like try anything and everything to find community. Because I, I get, I can guarantee without even knowing like was losing your team one of like the most like hardest parts about leaving is no longer having that family unit of people who helped you like get better
1: of course and i moved to atlanta right after and for four months when i lived there i had almost no friends at all so it it was was like it was the hardest four months of my life because i was always like with other people i always had roommates who were my teammates too and yeah, that was that was really hard. And that's why I jumped right back into running when I was in Atlanta because I was like I need I need a team. I need something you just else. You don't know how to
0: you don't know how to do it after yeah. you graduate. Like you don't have it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not. Graduating from college is so awful. Like I don't know like where the fuck is that movie or that show that's like you spend a deck you spend 12 plus you spend 16 years of your life knowing what you do from 9 7 45 whatever fucking time you wake up until you like go to bed knowing who you are you're a student you're doing this thing you have whatever and then you lose all structure and you lose all sense of like this is what i'm working towards this is who i am and they're like all right have fun yeah yeah exactly and also here's a hundred thousand dollars that you have to give us back so see so find a way to do
1: that. it starts. Yeah.
0: Like, there's nothing. And, like, I remember, because that's really, that's why I panicked after I graduated. I was like, oh, what? What? You mean my loan money doesn't come anymore? Like, that just doesn't, can I now have to pay that back? What? Like, I always knew, but, like, the pressure of it. Mm-hmm. Just added a different sense of like, what am I going
1: to do? Yeah. And
0: so I, I just got I got a job because I needed to pay my bills and uh it took me a really long time to like gain that confidence back because I'm a perfectionist. I'm wildly competitive and I like I don't like to do things unless I know I'm going to be like the best. And running ironically was the thing that really helped me work through those three things because I am not the best. I am not good at it. And I like truly had no idea what I was doing. And then when I tried to BQ and like spent a couple of years chasing that big goal, all those things like it was like Rumble Central with me was figuring out like my identity as a as a runner, as someone who works in the running industry who like immediately kind of found this platform and I would like look around and it was like me and Olympians and I was like fuck no like I I had imposter syndrome out the asshole you know like the everyone would go after me because I would be sponsored by a brand and I was I would be their only not Olympian whatever who was sponsored and people and I would get eaten alive and it was like even though people had my back at the company and stuff like It still was confirming to me what I was saying to myself. I don't belong. This doesn't make any sense. I'm an imposter. And it wasn't until like way later that I was like, oh shit. No, I, I, I'm good at this. The storytelling element of it and showing people how to unlock their potential and like find themselves and be bad, daring to fail, like all this shit, like taking up space in a bigger body in an athletic space.
1: Like, oh, right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's crazy, though, because the majority of people that, like, use these brands are not Olympians. So that's why. Oh, it's I know. Like, so how could people hate on someone when it's like, what, 99.9%? Well, like yeah.
0: You know, it's the same thing. It's that pie analogy where they they think there's this amount of money for sport, and I'm taking away from, you know, the cream of the crop, when in reality, no, I'm not.
1: Yeah. You're appealing to the majority, so.
0: It wasn't until I was, like, speaking at a brand at their, like, big global running summit, you know, like, somewhere where I was already, like, oh, I shouldn't be here. And I, before my talk, like, the, some big wig of running was on stage doing, giving the deck about, like, the breakdown of how much money, money and where they make their money, like, the trillions of dollars they make. And every year, I'm, like, what they want to make next year. And he just point blank started talking about my audience and there's pictures of me in the deck and I'm like, huh, wait a second. And he's like talking about the amount of people that run like their first 5K every year and how that's the target demographic. And I was like, huh, so I should ask for a raise, right? <laughs> uh, and
1: right like that the was trillion dollar slides. Right?
0: And I'm like, you pay me pebbles. And I was like, all right, well, okay, so Badass Lady Gang needs to be a thing. Like that... That tells me that what I'm doing is right and we just, I need to jump off that cliff that I'm afraid yeah. to jump off of because I don't think, I don't think I'm, a, I'm serious enough to be in charge. And I was like, they think I'm serious enough to be in charge. They brought me here to talk about it. So fuck it. Like I am doing this. Yeah. And like, it was the best decision I ever made, but it, I waited a really long time for someone else to tell me I belonged, you know, which sucks.
1: Yeah. How do you deal with, um, hate comments? Because, do, or do you get a lot of them? Because for me, it's, like, been a huge learning experience just, like, kind of being in the social media world. And I used to let them eat me up. I got, I used to get destroyed just, like, oh Inside, I tried. To,
0: people tried to cancel me twice. How? I, uh, so when I got started, I, uh, like, the day I, the day I went viral, I was my first boyfriend here in New York City. We were like, we were on the rocks. Like I could tell he was, we were going to break up and I wanted to hang out with him. And he was like, oh, I can't hang out this weekend. I'm going to go cheer for this girl during the New York City half. She's running. And I'm like, what? You know, I run like nothing would make me happier than standing on a corner banging a cowbell. Why can't I come? And I'm like, fuck it. I'll run the race and uh, I'll run by and be like, oh, hey, I'm running this. Like, how funny would that be? So I like bought a bib on Craigslist and showed up to the race and it was 20 degrees and I hadn't trained and I was still like a very brand new runner. So like the day before the race, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can actually do it. Like, I don't, I haven't really been running that much. It was my first winter and I was like really freaking out. My sister was like, you'll just make it fun. Just have fun. And so there was a hot guy behind me. And so I took a selfie with him behind me and like hashtagged it, hashtag hot guys in the New York city half and did it every mile. And I never saw him during the race, never saw him. And he didn't even go. But, oh no. like, I know. And uh, so like for a long time there, there, like I was called this bandit, you know, this person who bandited races. And it was really just because I I was buzzy in the running world because I'm an outspoken, bigger girl who isn't very good. And I was getting sponsorship deals so a lot of, a lot of people, like the very small, small percentage of runners who take it really seriously, like really didn't like me. And there was a website that like went after me so many times and tried to cancel me because of, you know, that race. And then like, if I jumped in a race and and ran a little bit with a friend, they would say I bandited the race. And like, they just went after me and hounded me forever. And uh, and it was so hard. It was so hard that as someone who already was like, had all this imposter shit to have like hundreds of people saying horrible things about me, horrible things about me, horrible things about my family. And then like, you know, I I, people make comments about my weight all the time. I'm really vocal about politics. (laughs) People say a lot of shit about that. You know, like I think in the beginning, it's really hard because you care a lot that's why it hurts you really care about what you're doing and you really care about the community that you're creating you want people to like you and not in the sense that like you want to be liked but you care about what you're doing so when someone says something that isn't constructive or is hurtful it is hurtful right so like in the beginning i don't really think there's anything you can do you just have to start doing the work to realize that like not everyone's gonna like you hurt people hurt people it's just the way it is And the way I try to do it is if the, if the comment isn't constructive, right? Like if it's not like a constructive comment, you can disagree and you can make it constructive. But if there's like language in it, that's actually hurtful. Or you're like just attacking me. Like you don't deserve my space. You don't deserve to be amplified. So I delete it.
1: You delete it? Delete
0: them. Oh, shoot. I screenshot them and I put them in a file and then I delete them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If I catch them. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely you can use it later, in against them or like to like prove a point. Yeah, and then it gets like
1: tons of engagement,
0: and you help other people. Yeah,
1: that definitely makes it's sense. It's really hard though. I mean, I've I've definitely gotten I'm not over it. I mean, it still hurts when I get them. But like when I first started, it you definitely get a, tougher, a thicker skin. Yeah, I definitely got a thicker skin. But like I, you said earlier in the episode, like it's hard to hear from, especially people that you don't know, like things that you're already thinking about yourself. And it just, like, confirms, like, what you're thinking about yourself. And you're like, oh, my gosh, other people are thinking this too, you know? So that's just something that I yeah. have struggled with. But I definitely struggled with it more in the beginning. But just – I don't know. My friend also reached out the other day, and she's kind of I always, media, I always tell so – She, like, felt like it was mm. – she, she was having a similar experience. But, yeah.
0: You know what I would tell both of you to do? And this is what I do, and it helps me. If something, like, really gets to me, because sometimes one comment will, like, roll off my back, another one will, like, actually sit with me and it will hurt. Like, when that happens, I'm a big proponent of journaling anyway. I think it's a lot of work and I don't love to journal, but I do think it's really helpful. Okay. I will write down the comment and then I'll just start to give myself, like, five minutes or three minutes or whatever to just, like, free range go and try to just write down what I'm feeling and then from there normally when I can see the text I can see why why that's triggering to me it normally comes out and it's always because it's either something I'm going through and I'm just sensitive or they're they're saying something that that I'm saying to myself that isn't true it's not rooted in accurate self-talk
1: yeah Definitely, that makes sense. I feel like you have a lot of experience in this world. You're someone I definitely look up to in the social media world, especially. Because I feel like you've... I mean, you're older than me and you've been in that space, I guess, a little bit longer. So, it's nice to be able to talk to you about these sort of things. And I'm sure other people are also going through similar experiences, so... It's hard. Yeah, it is.
0: (laughs) Social media is so hard.
1: And it, like, makes it...
0: It makes it fun because it is fun and there's a lot of good to be had from it. And like, there's nothing more fun than making something really funny or making something that actually helps people. But like, it can also really make you want to quit. Yeah. Social media is the reason that like, I think about quitting all the time, you know, like today I was ready to delete everything and I'm like, no, you're just upset about what's happening. Like, let's not do anything too rash shall we yeah
1: probably different circumstances it's hard
0: i can't oh god today man what my headphones on airplane mode
1: (laughs) probably for the best um well to close out the episode do you have anything for people who are like maybe maybe they feel like they want to run with their shirt off but they're too self-conscious what would you what would you say to them
0: do it i uh Like I said earlier, like, I really do think it's important for people to start to really pay attention to what it is you say to yourself, right? Like you probably learned this in sports psychology, think, feel, behave. That's what's happening to us all day, every day. Something happens, we think something, we feel something, and that's how we behave. So you're drinking the poison punch, you're out for a run, you're hotter than hell, you have a shirt on, you have pants on, whatever's happening you don't want to wear shorts, maybe because your legs look different because you're not moving normally like you normally would or maybe whatever. So you're wear- you're not wearing shorts anymore. Whatever's happening, try to pay attention to that. And the only way to like break out of that routine and that like cycle of habit is to stop it and do something different instead of always turning right to turn left. So when that happens, like call your best friend who you love a lot Call whoever it is that you run with. If you don't run with anyone, find someone. There are millions and millions and millions of groups and communities out there. Like find one. Go run with someone and do it together. You know, like strengthen numbers, but but pay attention to what you're saying to yourself. And honestly, we could all do a huge dose in unlearning diet culture. We have a, an eight-week program going right now at Badass Lady Gang. It's on my podcast and a bunch of other stuff. my, one, my co my co-leader of our chapter here in New York City, her name's Kayla Reynolds. She has her master's in science from Columbia in human nutrition and she works at a tech company that specializes in diet culture and like helping people unlearn habits and actually adopt healthy lifestyles and that really has nothing to do with weight loss. That's poison punch. That's diet culture. A healthy lifestyle happens at every size. So she created this course to like help everyone through the holidays specifically try to one learn what diet culture is. How do you spot it? What happens? why do we have so many weird you know like myths and and rules about food and our bodies why is it that we feel like we have to earn food why is it that you know like if we eat something we tell ourselves well okay it's fine it's tomorrow i'll go for like a a a 10 mile run you know like it's fine it's gonna be fine i can go for a bike ride too we do all this shit because we're all afraid of gaining weight and weight shaming is a thing you know like we're we're not here to pretend that if you're in a bigger body that life will be, you know, like all rainbows and roses. It's it's a big problem that we shame people for their weight. But uh, you you aren't Kayless always likes to say, like, diets fail. You don't fail, diets fail you. And we've all been on diets our entire lives. So the fact that you're afraid to run into sports bra isn't because you're you're like you need to work on your body confidence it's really because like we've failed you, right? Like we've let this cycle of like horrible, awful messaging just continue forever. And it it takes a lot of work to stop drinking the poison punch and really start to understand what your body needs. How do you listen to your body? You're already doing the fucking work. I guarantee you that anyone who listens to you is like running their tits off strong as hell kicking ass and taking names, why don't they deserve to love the skin they're in? Everyone does, regardless of whether you don't do anything or you do all the things, but it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that we spend so much time consumed with this, I'm not good enough, I'm not small enough, I'm not strong enough. No, love where you're at today, right now.
1: Yeah. I love your message and I'm really glad that you could come on and share it with all of us. And I think it's going to have a a big impact on a lot of the listeners. And I know it's, it's definitely changed the way I thought about myself and the skin that I'm in and my ability to run without a shirt on, um, such a simple task, but there's a lot behind it. And yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing that with us. So thank you.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful for you. There I mean, I told you this. There there's no one in your space. You know, it's so fun to see you have the audience that you have and like really like take up space in your age group and be someone who came out of college into real life and like be that vocal person for everybody. Because there really isn't a lot of, I mean, I don't I don't know anyone who's doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah. I mean I found out a couple of people here and there, but it's definitely it's definitely a growing movement, so
0: it's exciting. I mean, yeah. you guys need it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, We're doing can, good shit. <laughs> thank you. Where can people follow you at if they want to be inspired and keep hearing your messages?
0: I, it's, I, you're not younger than me, and yet I'm always like, oh, you youths. It's so weird. <laughs> oh, you youths. <laughs> you like the same age as me. <laughs> uh, you guys can uh, find me at badassladygain.com. That's, that's the website. Uh, I'm on social at Kelly KK Roberts, Kelly with a Y, or you can just go to Badass Lady Gang and, and find me from there. I'm normally uh, promoting myself,
1: <laughs> as we all are on social media. Social well,
0: media. We love oh, it. Oh,
1: boy. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, the last thing I need from you is can we get a good old peace out, fellas, to close out the podcast? Oh, of course course. Peace out, fellas. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. Big shout out to Sandra T for supporting the podcast. I give one of my supporters a shout out in each episode. If you want to support the podcast, it really helps me out. The link is in the show notes. If you want to support the podcast in a free way, rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts means the world to me, and I love just reading your guys' feedback. If you want to stay up to date with the newest episodes or also ask listener questions, follow at ConvosOverColdBrewPod on Instagram. And I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.